Dr. Homebrew is brought to you by Five Star Chemicals, providing safety and cleaning supplies for brewing, distilling, and winemaking at fivestarchemicals.com. Dr. Love. Stand aside, nurse. I'm Dr. Homebrew. Dr. Homebrew, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome for uh, for existing. Um, yeah, here we are. We're ready to drink some beer. Uh, we're ready to judge some beer, and then uh, we're ready to go home. It's kind I of think our life cycle. Maybe you're more ready to go home than you're ready to do all that other stuff. Uh, yeah, let's be clear. I was never ready to leave home. So I'm, uh, <laughs> we're I'm, lucky you're here. That's why they're lucky. Yeah, you're lucky bastards. Uh, you get is, to listen to us. That is true. Uh, before you get to listen to more of us, I do want to thank our fine sponsor, Five Star Chemicals. Please go to fivestarchemicals.com and learn about everything you need to do to clean and sanitize. All your gear, all your junk. Sanitize your junk today with five-star <laughs> chemicals. But metaphorical, well, literal junk, not metaphorical junk. I wouldn't suggest. I mean, it's probably fine. Don't use PBW on your junk. You, it might be, It would be probably be fine, right? I mean, it's a very sensitive area. It's not going to, like, really right. melt your skin. Yeah, and I mean, you touch not it with your out, hands but, all the time. Yeah. I mean, the, the PBW and stuff. I don't really think you're supposed to. Aren't you supposed to wear gloves when you're using PBW? Probably. You should, yeah. And I think you maybe wear a glove on your junk while you're... Dipping it in PBW as well would be a good idea. That's true. That's true. Uh, I would be worried about getting it. Anyway, whatever. Um, so uh, go to go to them. They're, they've been our longtime sponsors. They own this show. We are their, their slaves, their minions, and uh, we want you to support them because they support us. And more importantly, they make a really good good product. So uh, check them out, fivestarchemicals.com. A lot of really good products. They really do. Um, so here we are. We're going to judge some beers. And in case you're new to the show, uh, this is when you, the home brewer, sends us the uh, people who are home brewers also. Uh, but we have two master BJCP judges, right? Yes. Correct. You guys have, they haven't dropped in rank. You haven't been <laughs> dethroned or defamed. No, or, if they or could, they would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and these fellas here sit and judge your beer. And then we get you on the phone. And then we talk to you about your beer, about your process, and any sort of feedback you want. If you have a weird off flavor, if you just want some more body in your beer, if you want any sort of anything else, any advice on your beer, uh, we will give it to you. It's an interactive BJCP score sheet. Um, and it's uh, it's pretty fun. We get a lot of cool beers on the show. I think actually, good variety lately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, someone, I think Kevin was in here the, uh, earlier, and he was like, "What's the percentage of like bad beers to good beers?" And I'm like, "Well, I, you know, I don't know. I put it at eighty percent are are beers, are good beers, 
and then maybe maybe like five have flaws. I, you yeah. know, I don't know. And then the rest are kind of like everything's just really a recipe tweak or some sort of Little balance issues. Yeah, I would yeah. Say everything is very good or better. Almost everything, like 85 percent yeah. of it. I mean, I think you guys have given out scores under thirty a handful of times. I mean, maybe ten or fifteen over. What is this? Our 80th show or how many shows have Jeez. we done, dude? Eighty nine. I think this might be our 89th show. Huh. Lucky number 89. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think you guys are all overall, uh, you homebrewers are doing really good, man. You're sending us some tasty beers. But, but don't forget, that's not the point. If you want feedback on any beer, even if you think it tastes like ass, but you have no idea why, send it in. I won't drink it, but these guys will drink it. So this it. is the call for bad beers now that you're going to make us suffer this is the call this for year. Ba- yes. Yeah. You're getting jumped in. Pallet jumped in. This might be 88. The, the 11-3 was 85. So then the late November would be 86. Right. And then we've done, we did, uh, oh, we did two Decembers. Oh, we. So, okay. And we've done one uh, January. So this might be 90. Oh, man. Yeah. 90 shows, dude. Lost in time. Wow. That's crazy. A hundred shows soon. What are we going to do? Should, should we do something cool for it? We should drink a hundred beers between the three of us. <laughs> yeah. Take a hundred <laughs> shots. Yeah, dude. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh,. No video? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, sorry, someone in the chat room is asking about video. I turned the video on. I don't know if it's working or not. Uh, Beb doesn't really come here, and I can't really stop and, and, and check it out. So I apologize if there's no video. Um, do you have audio? Maybe I should. Here, you guys talk amongst yourselves. <coughs> so, Keith, how you been doing lately? Uh, pretty good. Just getting over a sickness, so my, yeah. my, I'm a little bit off. Have you watched that new Star Wars movie? I did watch it. I saw it the same day that Carrie Fisher had a heart attack. Shut <laughs> That is rough, man. Kind of like, I came home and saw that, and I was like, 2016, oh. God, what a year. It's over. That, did you see the YouTube video about that guy who slept through 2016, and they had to break all the shit that happened <laughs> this last year? I, I did not see that. It's fucking hilarious. Um, is the video back up now, guys? Yeah, I fixed it. Okay. The video guy. The, the video, video repair man. I never, I never knew we were on video yeah. before, so yeah. I, would, I would dress better if I knew that. So. <laughs> God, you get that beautiful hoodie on. Look at you, man. That's... All right. Uh, hey, oh, today we're giving away a beer bug. Folks. Awesome. So one of these lucky people, uh, I believe it is... Ah, fuck, I deleted my list. Not deleted, but I closed it. Scott or Chris, I believe. One of those two fine young gentlemen will receive a beer bug courtesy of Beer Bug. The Beer Bug. Yeah. Check him out, dude. Thebeerbug.com. It's a, it's a... I believe that's the site. It's a really cool thing. Uh, basically, it attaches to your carboy and... Um, and you can you can instantly read your gravity. Uh, it hooks up to your app. It's a whole thing, man. It's really cool. Do you still like yours, Brian? Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It does. It's it's nice when you want to you know let something finish like a mead a little too you know want to leave some sweetness in there and, and stop the fermentation. You got to know where you're at with those kind of things. Yeah. Others like watching the bubbles and trying to time it or taking a sample every day. It's just, yeah, that's the, that'd be a pain in the butt. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's why the beer bug kicks a bunch of ass, dude. But yeah, I make a lot uh, of meads and that's definitely one really good use for it yeah. among many others. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. They've, they've been really good sponsors to us too. They're good people. They're there at the beer bug. So check them out. Um, before we get to who is first, uh, Scott, I believe is first. <laughs> Maybe Chris. Oh, no, i got to figure that out. Before we get to one of those people, uh, let me tell you about Grog Tag. they got a bunch of cool stuff happening. Uh, home brewing, they say, is all about expression. You make the beer the way you want it. It tastes the way you want it to. Why not make it look the way you want it to as well? With Grog Tag, you can make your labeling dream a reality. Use their pre-made templates or upload your own artwork to create the best thing about your beer, the labels. 
They also have custom bottle caps, metal signs, coasters, even tap handles, all outfitted with whatever kooky thing you can come up with. So head over to grogtag.com today and enter code JAN17 and take 10% off your next order at grogtag.com. That's JAN17. 10%. That's pretty good. Yeah. Get a tap handle for your kegerator. Dude, and they're pretty sick, too. I've seen the tap handles. They're really yeah. nice. They're really cool. I want to get one for my kick your own ass ale. <laughs> kick your own ass. Kick your own ass ale. When you can save 10%. Yeah. Uh, who did I say was coming up first? Kick your own ass and save. Scott. Scott! Scott! Let's, uh, let's open that up. All right. Yeah, go ahead and open that up. Let me get Scott on the line here. <clears throat> eh, running a little behind. He's probably uh, grabbing a beer. Scott, are you there, buddy? I am here. Nice. Thanks for joining us, man. Okay. So you sent in an ESB. Yes. Is this, ESB. Is this your first uh, time running with the style? Uh, no, it's the uh, version. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The third version of this. Okay, your third, your third go around. What um, what have you been tweaking out? Uh, what have you been tweaking out in the other two versions? Yeah, the mostly the malt, uh, the grain mill, going back and forth on a couple of different specialty malts and the uh, base malt as well. So trying to just dial it in. Okay, perfect, perfect. And that's what you're kind of hoping for today that we uh, we give you some feedback on that. Yeah, and if it's actually falling within style, I'm going to hopefully submit this to a beer competition here in Hawaii in the next few weeks. And Oh, yeah. Uh, don't know if it actually falls in 11C or it should be someplace else. So. Okay. Well, we can definitely um, we can definitely get you going on that. Uh, Brian, why don't you go ahead and uh, start Scott off with his ESBA. All right. Yeah. Um, nice label first, by the way. It's got uh, Scott's Brewing Research and Development with a little hand labeling on there. It's always like, well, I don't know if it's Grog, it's not, might be Grog Tag. Yeah, cool. I need to get some <laughs> custom labels like that from those guys. I used to make you labels do, all the time. Yeah? Just hand designed and they're crappy graphics, just like pasted from whatever, you know. That happens, man. Clip art and stuff. <laughs> yeah, you but I had art. my own brand and I was proud of it. And then I tried entering some label competitions and I won until other people got really good, but... And then Grog Tag came along, and it's like, why would I even open Photoshop anymore? <laughs> That's true. Um, okay, so the malt definitely in this beer comes across first. It has a, a bready, toasty, and a light caramely character. Uh, there's a lot of supporting nuttiness and, and some light toffee-like notes in there, too. I'm only getting a faint hint of um, hop in the aroma. It's like a low, earthy, floral thing. Um, moderate fruity esters from the yeast. It's clean, cleanly fermented. I'm not getting any DMS or Dastel. It's, it's it seems like very well brewed. Um, appearance wise, it's a deep reddish amber color with a low cream colored head that, that persisted only briefly. Um, it's okay for the style because it is low CO2, um, and the clarity is very good. So I gave it full full points for um, for the appearance. It's you know it's. It's toward the dark side. It actually looks pretty dark in this like, kind of round glass we have here. But um, flavor-wise, it's a it's a nice, strong, and pleasant English malt flavor uh, up front. A lot of biscuit, a lot of a little bit of caramel, and um, again, it's clean, no DMS, no diacetyl. Um, the bitterness is is moderate, and it's in there. Um, and, it, and it plays kind of nicely off the mineraliness of the water. I'm I'm interested to see what you what you did with your water. 
what your water's like to start with or if you're building up from RO. Um, but it seems like you treated the water pretty pretty nicely. Um, but overall, Talked nice to it, took it out to yeah. dinner, pulled its chair <laughs> hey, out Hey, water, it. how you doing tonight? <laughs> uh, the malt still wins out over the hops in this beer. Um, you know, it's the the... The bitterness only goes so far, and then that 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 malty just fin- powers through into the aftertaste, and just keeps going. Uh, it's really richly malty to me, um, but I really I like the style and the flavor of the malt. Um, it has a clean English ale ferment, like I said, just um, you know a little nice fruity esters, just pleasant. Um, the hop flavor overall I found to be low. Uh, it's mostly a little bit of floral in there. And um, it finishes semi-dry, which is nice. Um, Mouthfeel-wise, medium, leaning towards actually medium full-bodied, I thought. It feels a little fuller than I I would like it to be. Um, Medium low carbonation, kind of where it should be. It is slightly creamy and smooth. There's no astringency going on here. Um, only a slight alcohol warmth at first. It's like, is there any alcohol warmth in there? It's like, you can feel a little bit. A of little that. bit, yeah, in the chest, in the chestial region. It's, it's crisply dry. It's just nice, kind of finishes the way it's supposed to. But um, the body hits you a little big at first. Um, so overall, it's a it's a very pleasant drinking, strong bitter. It's um, smooth and well brewed. Uh, obviously, authentic ingredient choices. Uh, the water profile seems right. I have a lot of nice things to say about this beer. I don't, you know, it has the the moderately dry finish I want. It just, it leans a little too heavily on that malt. The, the bitterness is almost there. Uh, the hop is kind of flat. It's just not as not as high, and, and uh, you know, that, that would really bring out the balance. And I think the malt is just a little too high. You want to back off a little bit on, on uh, we'll, we'll talk about whatever specialty malts you're putting in there and, and maybe have some suggestions for you. Um, and, and it'd be fun to hear what you tried before, too, but, or, you know, where you started and where you're, where you're going with it. You know, making a beer is kind of a journey. Um, you know, I'd like it. That would make a little bit better balance if you if you dial that back a bit, push up the hops. I'm also thinking that maybe also this this beer could be showing some signs of age. It's not papery, cardboardy, but it's starting to get a little bit of that kind of honey like thing when you have a little bit of oxidation, then it's been in the bottle for a while. Which you know, I mean, if you bottled it fresh and and sent it to us today, it, it probably would taste different. Or if you're drinking it off the keg with <laughs> with us here, I don't know. But um, when when did you make this, Scott? Um, I brewed this actually in November, November twenty fifth. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I have I have a good guess of where that oxidation okay. might be coming from. What so. happened? I'm um, still trying to figure out the beer gun. Yeah, uh, <laughs> mm. so it's I not just, strong. This is my second batch with the beer gun, and it's kind of kind of kicking my ass. Finicky bit, there. So. Okay, all right. Um, what yeah. About, what about the trip from Hawaii to? <laughs> in that yeah. Yeah, from the different. I'm sure that had a lot of effect on it as well. What was happening with the beer gun? Just, uh, just trying to get that timing just, right. Just, yeah, dialing okay. in the pressures from the CO2 to the keg and then out to the gun. And, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's better the second time than the first time. That's for sure. I had about half the beer exited the on my countertop. I love better that. than the, uh, the the ceiling or whatever. I've had that before. Yeah, where you know, just shoots the ceiling, <laughs> and then it's so. dripping down on your head. Beer shower. <laughs> so, oh. You had a different flavor out of the keg than the, the bottles do. Yeah, I, I gave it even so as it is. I gave it a uh, thirty six on the score. So I thought it was it's a very good beer. Awesome. Sweet. 
Thanks, man. All right, Keith, go for it, dude. Okay, so on the aroma, um, picked up a, a freshly cut red apple. Uh, Esther, that was the first thing I noticed. But then there is the medium toast and and medium caramel as well. Uh, maybe just a little bit of fruitiness from the hops, but uh, a lot of esters is really the first thing I noticed. But yeah, that definitely as it warms, especially throughout the flavor. And you know, I think I, I had a, I was actually judging this last night, and I definitely picked more of the esters up as it was colder, and just as flavor as well. But as as things warmed up, I got more of the balance of the of the malt. Um, as as Brian said, it uh, amber, it's crystal clear. The head's a little little in the low side, but I gave it a three as well. I gave it a nine, by the way, on the aroma. A three as well on appearance. It is a very pretty beer. Uh, flavor again, I get that 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 uh, red apple ester, um, medium bitterness. It's lingering. That's really appropriate for style. I get a lot of toast, caramel. Um, overall, I thought the balance was nearly even. Um, thought for the style, the, the balance probably should lean a little bit to the more of the bitter side. And then finally, I got a slight papery note, and that, that's going through the oxidation there a little bit. So, uh, mouthfeel, medium body, medium carbonation, um, just a touch of astringency uh, from the bitterness. And I didn't really pick up any alcohol warming. Uh, Overall impression, uh, really enjoyed the beer a lot. Uh, thought the high fruitiness uh, was the only thing that really kind of turned me off a little. Um, that, and then also, I wish you would, and, you know, there's, as I didn't really mention here, and in the flavor, and probably even in the aroma as much, not a, enough of a hop presence. I'd like to see a little more uh, hop aroma, hop flavor. Um, you know, the side story on this is, you know, I, w- I was in London last year around this time, and it's kind of annoying, but all the, the breweries there now are using American hops. So you'd like to go to a, a place and you get a, a cask ale and then you have like Cascade or Centennial or Citra in your face. And you're like, I really wish it just had some EKG or something like that in it. Um, and, you know, I, I, what I always try to do when I make a, a bitter, I try to sneak a little bit of something American in it, but at a really low level where you really can't detect it. Um, and just add some orange flavor like an Amarillo or you know, something like that where you just add a little bit of extra flavor and then... Uh, add you know EK mostly stuck with EKG Challenger uh, you know uh, Fuggles something like that, um, but overall you know I really liked it a lot. Uh, like I said I, the esters were the one thing I would probably question. Um, love to know the yeast strain, the temperature. Uh, it's really the fermentation schedule overall because um, I really did get a lot of esters for. I mean it's a pro it's it's a acceptable in style, but for me it was a little on the high end. Um, so for me the, the things I would improve would be to um, maybe maybe up the bitterness a little bit. Um, up the hop aroma and flavor, and then somehow tone down the esters either through fermentation temp or switching a yeast strain. Uh, I gave it a 36, though, so I mean, those are all just sort of minor nitpicks more than anything else. Oh. <laughs> yeah, a little side note, though. This is actually this when you said oh, I, did, I gave it a nine for aroma, I gave it a nine for aroma as well. I gave it a three for appearance. Like, like our Wait, score is all the way down the score sheet. This is probably a first. <laughs> All the way down the score sheet, the same exact flavor on every, uh, same exact score on every line, awesome. adding up to the same score. So, well, we dialed that in. We dialed something in. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have any questions for the guy, Scott? Well, yeah. I mean, um, did you guys want to hear the? Oh the yeah, grain please. Though? Yes, run down the recipe for me. Yeah, Sorry. let's start with the malts. So, yeah. This was a five five gallon batch. Forty seven percent was uh, U.S. two row, thirty eight percent Maris Otter. 10% Munich and 4% uh, Crystal 120. Then uh, the hops I used was uh, for bittering at uh, with Fuggles with 4.5% alpha acid at 
1.5 ounces there. And then I also did one ounce of East Kent Goldings with 3.4% alpha acid. And then 30-minute addition of the Fuggles again. And then at Flame Out, I did another ounce of the East Kent Goldings. And that's another thing I'm trying to dial in because I'm just trying to make sure this doesn't get overly hopped and turn into a more of a pale ale or mm-hmm. IPA. So, yeah, you don't want it to turn into an IPA. That's not right. <laughs> not where we want to take you. <laughs> right. Um, you like then, blending uh, the uh, you like blending the American and the English based malts. Um, you just like trying to go for. It's kind of lack more. of option out here in Hawaii. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Are, are you using the Munich yeah. to sort of balance that out to make it taste more like uh, all Marisada or how? You know, I, I, I could have uh, jumped in there, but yeah, the Munich was trying to get more of that breadiness, toastiness. Um, Along with that, it was the first time I ever used Maris Otter as well, so I didn't know exactly the flavors from Maris Otter, so I wanted to not just go totally Maris Otter right away. So yeah. um, that's probably the, my experimentation with this beer and trying to get it to where it should be. So. Yeah, and then well, uh, the yeah, yeast cool. was uh, White Labs 005, the British Ale yeast. So. Yeah, which you ones, definitely which, got which the, one's 005, Brian? Do you remember the which? richness of the um, the bready toasty? I don't recall offhand. Yeah, 005 is a British ale. The British, yeah. okay. What's yep. what is that? I'm trying to remember what who's the the actual source of that? Oh, oh, like a Fuller's or whatever. The, the yeah, I don't know either. It prob- probably is. I, don't I would guess. Did you do anything special with your water? Uh, yeah. So that's another thing I've been trying to get figured out is i'm going off the municipal water report which is not very accurate but uh i did three gram addition to gypsum and then um three quarter gram of calcium carbonate it's ringing 0.8 grams of magnesium sulfate um and since i brewed this i got the lamont brew lab and i'm starting to find out the the report that i got is actually inaccurate so uh um, yeah, we'll, we'll see next next brew what it will come out as. That's what they say, man. That uh, those yep. those muni those muni water reports are uh, you know not uh, not super reliable because and sometimes they can change depending on your district. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I thought the water treatment seemed pretty good. Uh, the, okay. the way it dried off the tongue was nice. Yeah, it seemed appropriate for the style. There was it was not too harsh, but it was enough. Yeah, like you said, to sort of dry it out. Um, yeah, the 005 is the Ringwood. Sorry, I'm going to cough here. Um, <laughs> like, like the, the, I feel like I'm going to cry when I said that. Uh, it's pretty, you know, the Ringwood is notorious for diacetyl, and we, I don't think either one of us got any diacetyl at all, so that's a really good job fermenting that. What, what temperature did you ferment when you were um, I pitched at 69, and it hung, up, hung out at about 65 to 66. Until I did, uh, I increased the temperature to, a, I stepped it up to about 72 at the end of the fermentation to finish out the fermentation. Um, and it, it fermented for about 13 days was how long I had it in the fermenter. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It may just be that I'm not a fan of Ringwood more than anything else. So everything you did there was, was spot on. So. Yep. Excellent. Uh, any questions, uh, Scott? Now, now it's time for questions. <laughs> yeah. So, did you guys think this falls at uh, the strong or the, the, the strong the eleven C, whatever that was. This, the category. You yeah. know, there's a pretty r- wide range of acceptable in the in the strong bitter. There's so many different. You know, there's a lot of different varieties of it. But I think, yeah, like I said, you just want to get that. You know, the bitterness is is almost where you need it to be. Pretty much where you need it to be, but. 
Um, you do want a little hop flavor accenting that. I, I don't know if I would do what, what Keith does. I mean, you can play with it. You know, getting a little, you know, it's it, it almost like a little cheat, like giving a little sharp or a little tang from the, you know, like a, a more citrusy American hop to just let the hop pop a little more, but not go anywhere near pale ale IPA territory. Right. Um, that could be a nice little but, trick. But, yeah, I don't know. The... You could, have you tried all EKG or have you have you just always blended with the Fuggles and? Uh, yeah, it's always been that basically same blend on the last three batches. So. Yeah. But the thing is, the when I do Beersmith, that's uh, the the one they have in there for the Fuggles or the East Kent Goldings is says five point zero or five percent alpha acid, and when I pick it up in the homebrew shop, it's three point four. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I, I question the freshness of some of the hops as well that I get from there. So I don't know if that's affecting yeah. it or not, but um, I'm definitely that's one of my main goals is to play with that hop, the hops as well. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I, I think it, I think I think it's in the style. I think you'll do well in a competition. Um, you know, it always depends on who you're going up against. But I, I could see this definitely placing. And, and if you're looking to should you enter this or not, I would say yeah, definitely. Um, for me, I think I would probably in the future maybe dial back the Munich a little bit and think about going with a lower crystal or a blend of crystals. Um, you know, 120 is. I don't know. I think for for a bitter, it, it tends. I, I don't know. I, I would use that more in like a porter and things like that. And I would probably look more to eighty. But you can use some one twenty. I, I do like the character in it, but I think maybe cut it back and and use a blend of crystals and get a little more complexity that way without as much intensity. Yeah, I had actually my last batch. I did a, I did about uh, it was like twenty five percent crystal. I think eighty. I don't have in front of me, but I, then it was way too caramelly for me. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. I filed it way back and put more Munich in it and then did the Maris Otter. So it was quite a bit different from the last version. So, uh, yeah. yeah. If you can get a hold of it, just try, try to get a hold of some, like, uh, floor malted. I mean, I know it's tough, but get a hold of some crisp Maris Otter or some of the, the Glen Eagle floor malted stuff. That is the best, best stuff you can use, really. Um, yeah, I love working with that malt, but... If you have to blend it still too, I would I wouldn't do the the Munich trick either. I would just yeah omit that and and just okay. what as much Marisotter as you can get in there and as good of a, a, a variety you can get. What, what yeah. kind of crystal are you using too? By the way, I missed that. Was it a is it a, a English? Or a, okay. Yeah. Was it? Was it? Yeah. Was it English or was it an American crystal? Um, it's an American crystal. Oh, That's okay. all I have yeah. here. Yeah. yeah, I think for English beer, I definitely would look to the the English crystals. There, there, it is a significant difference in flavor for those. So, great. All right, Scott. That's it. You're good. Uh, Anything else? Yeah, you guys answered all my questions. That was great. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Right, it was good beer, Scott. I enjoyed I'd love, it. Yeah, I'd love to taste again. You're brewing some good stuff there. I can tell you pay a lot of attention to what you're doing. So I appreciate it. Yeah, that means a lot. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thanks, man. Have All right, thanks, guys. All right, Scott. Later, dude. They have some good competitions out there in Hawaii, too. Do they? Yeah. I miss Hawaii. I want to go back. Oh, man, yeah. All right, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk to Chris, and we're going to drink some more beer, and then you're going to hear us do all the things. Um, so there you go. It's Dr. Homebrew. Hang on. We'll be right back. Fellow BNers, this is Sully from the 21st Amendment Brewery located in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park. Before Nico and I opened the 21A and before I was a professional brewer, I homebrewed on my small four-burner apartment stove in a back house in Santa Monica, California, making my extract brews before graduating to the daunting idea of all-grain brewing. 
homebrew books and information was hard to come by back then. The Internet hadn't been invented yet, along with other things we take for granted today, like electricity and potable water. One thing I wish I had back then when I was learning was a radio show that could teach me the ins and outs of brewing and answer questions that I had about homebrewing, a resource for making great craft beer. The 21st Amendment Brewery is excited to be a proud sponsor of Dr. Homebrew, a great show that teaches you what you need to know about making incredible beer. Good stuff. Listen up. You might learn something. I certainly did. And thanks for your support. Tasty Crack Games. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Now, back to the examination. All right, thanks for hanging out, everybody. Before we get to Chris, let's talk about let's talk about the AHA for a second and the new Brew Guru app. It's free. It's built for homebrewers and beer lovers. It delivers sage brewing knowledge and money-saving details at breweries, beer bars, and homebrew supply shops. You can uh, find deals. You can save money on beer, food, brewing supplies. Uh, you can read a bunch of hand-picked articles from Zymergy as well. And more importantly, they have the powerful brewery locator. You can find nearby breweries, taprooms, beer bars, homebrew supply shops, brew pubs, all that kind of good stuff. It's uh, in any place you buy apps. Or not buy, it's because it's free. But any place you get apps, uh, check it out like the iStore or whatever the fuck it is. Whatever the Android, or whatever mm-hmm. Apple people call it. Uh, or... Go to homebrewersassociation.org. It's all over there. So check it out. Brew Guru. It's pretty cool, man. Uh, all right, Chris. Are you here, my friend? Chris. Chris. Nope. But do we, do we not have Chris? We should have Chris. Um, oh. Yeah, I don't know. Um, here, talk amongst yourselves. I will dial him again. <laughs> So. What, did, what did you do uh, over the New Year's? Uh, anything, anything fun, Brian? I had, <laughs> yeah, I had drinks. You guys are so bad at banter. <laughs> with my mother-in-law at a, a swanky um, like cocktail bar with like really good whiskeys and stuff. And it was pretty cool. We had like a babysitter, so we just did an adult night. You'll learn this soon, dude. It's pretty cool. Occasionally. Adult night is like the Once thing? a year, you get an adult night, and you just get to... <laughs> Go out and have two drinks, and then you can come home and, you know, pay the babysitter, like, twice what you paid for all the drinks. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Uh, I can't get a hold of Chris. Let's just go ahead and start. Uh, okay. Keith, if you want to uh, run the run the okay. show this time. Um, so this is a Belgian Dark Strong. Um, on the aroma, I got some sweet malt, 
um, green apple. You know, honestly, we've opened multiple bottles of this, and one, one and a half, I've had an acetaldehyde sort of nose to it. Um, medium pepper, touch of clove, um, low licorice, not very much in the way of hop aroma, uh, some caramel. Overall, I thought the malt uh, for the aroma seemed kind of low for the style. Um, also, as it warmed, uh, just, you know, just let's sit in my glass for a little bit. I got some a hint of ginger and also a little bit of a root beer nose as well. Okay. Uh, appearance, appearance uh, varied as well, again, by the bottle. One bottle was very uh, almost turbid. It came out a little bit chunks in it, and it bubbled up. The others were uh, not as not as much so, um, but very hazy for the style. Um, I think we have Chris here. Hang on a second. Chris. Hey. Hey, what's me. going on, man? How's it going? Good, dude. Right. Hi, Chris. Sorry about that. I was dialing you, the number you gave, and it was just, uh, you know, give me the recording. <laughs> the, like the, the this number is disconnected, which that recording has been like the same for fifty years or whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> anyway, uh, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? Perfect. Just drinking your beer here. We just started. Uh, how long have you been brewing? What's your background? Uh, like three years or so. Oh, okay, pretty good. And this is a what is this? A Belgian dark strong? Yep, with rye. With rye. Okay. Why rye? Just cause? Fucking around? Just, yeah, indeed. Yep, yep. Just cause. Okay. Okay. I think I could, well, I mean, we'd be thinking maybe the spiciness of the rye would kind of go with the, the spiciness of the, the yeast kind of a thing? Exactly. Okay. Yep. All right. Cool. Sorry, Keith. Go ahead. Finish. After Chris so rudely interrupted. I'm <laughs> 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 just kidding. Well, he's our uh, guest. I have no yeah, idea where I was. Um, okay, I was on appearance at this point in time, so... Um, uh, head, um, tannish head, uh, like I said, hazy, um, probably a little bit lighter in color just from the haze in it, but seems on the on, on the high end for the style, but probably appropriate in terms of, of darkness. Um, overall there, I gave it a 2, uh, borderline 2-1 is where I would do with the turbidity, uh, depending on which bottle I was drinking out of. Um, so... Flavor-wise, medium malt intensity, very spicy, peppery phenols, uh, pretty good sharp finish with this. Uh, balance is towards sweet, but near ne- nearly balanced. Uh, I got some hints of alcohol, um, but at the same time, as I'll talk about in a minute, it's, it's not really hot. It's just it is very, it, you know, it, there's a lot of alcohol. It, it, you can taste the alcohol, but it's mm-hmm. not a super alcoholic beer, if you know what I mean. Um, it's pleasant. Okay. The malt isn't overly complex. Uh, I'll talk a little more about that in the flavor too. Um, and to me, it felt a little bit drier and a little bit, you know, a little, little muddled than than I would normally expect from a a uh, Belgian dark strong. Uh, Mouthfeel uh, highly carbonic, uh, bordering on sharp, medium alcohol again, uh, but not not super not super hot, but it's, it's apparent. Hmm. Medium light body, uh, appropriate for style and. Overall impression, uh, I thought the, it's very spicy. Uh, not a super complex beer, though. Um, usually in dark Belgian dark strongs, looking for more notes of fig and and dark fruit. Um, for me, always Saint Bernardus is what I come back to. And you know, there's always different versions of this. Saint Bernardus ABT12 is my one of my favorites beers to drink at all. You know, of all beers, and um, this you know, it's hard to compare that this beer against that. You know, it's not really fair. But at the same time, you know, the malt intensity here is is kind of lacking. 
Um, but I, it is very drinkable. Um, would like probably see a little more age on it. Maybe that would you know, get, uh, get rid of some of the, the hotness that is there, even though it doesn't seem extremely alcoholic. Um, and then what I would do probably in terms of getting the complexity up is, you know, add some uh, candy sugar, uh, candy syrups, um, or even some, some different malts as well. Uh, and, you know, make it a little bit richer that way or a little bit, a little bit fuller. Uh, overall, I gave it a 28. Okay. Brian, <clears throat> go ahead, buddy. Okay, the Belgian Dark Strong with rye. Euroma um, has a... That's a sweet, pleasant, uh, you know, fairly rich maltiness in the uh, in the nose. I am getting some some raisin and plum notes in there, um, some hints of like some stone fruit, like some cherry. But um, there's a little um, an interesting spiciness in there. It's got like this kind of like cardamom slash allspice kind of, uh, and 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 some black a whiff of black pepper. It's it's got some interesting spiciness to it, but not necessarily what you'd expect from a rye you know uh, it's it's uh obviously fermentation derived um but yeah it has a very spicy it smells kind of like a spiced fruit pie in a way like a, yeah i don't know like a mince pie or something yeah to me um the alcohol is 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 pretty evident it's mm. it's not too high as as Heath said but it's it's moderately soft with soft with only hints of a little solventy and higher alcohols uh but yeah not too bad um it might you know be interesting to talk about how your fermentation went and what temperatures you went through. Um, I didn't get any DMS or diacetyl in it, so uh, you know it was, it was clean in that way. Appearance-wise, yeah, it was a it was a rich reddish brown, reddish light brown color, and uh, yeah, it was it was a bit murky. Uh, you should be you know a fair amount clearer than that. Uh, the head is light tan and and fell flat pretty soon after pouring. Just rises up. A bit, it, you know, it, it threw up a pretty decent head, and then it just dropped down. Uh, mostly finer bubbles there. Uh, Flavor-wise, it's it, you know, the malt definitely comes across. It's it's I would say richly malty, but the character of that malt, it's yeah. There's like some raisininess in there, but it has this kind of a fruit bowl presentation a little bit. It's got some dried fruit, some. You know, stone fruit, maybe a little bit of tobacco and fig, but um, you know, some of the raisin and plum. But it's just it's it's a little muddled to me. There's a lot. It's like a, a fruit salad kind of. <laughs> yeah, it's like a lo- little bit of everything and nothing really distinctly standing out. But uh, I see that. I could see that. Yeah, it's it's a low bitterness uh, in there, and uh, that kind of leaves the sweetness and the alcohol shining through in the flavor, and the, the, the sweetness and the alcohol comes through more than in the in the aroma, I would say. It's definitely balanced to the malt and that spiciness. That odd spiciness kind of grabs in the back of the throat there, and, and it finishes kind of medium sweet. It's not cloying, but um, you know, there's a bit much going on with all else that's here. It's um, <laughs> just having a hard time. There's a lot of thing, descriptors you can put in there for it, but it's like, um, it, again, I hate using the word muddled because then JP's, well, what do you mean by muddled, Brian? <laughs> Can you define um, muddled as a flavor sensation? That, yeah. That just, hey, for, <sighs> people need to know. Leave me alone. They I'm need just, to know these things. Just trying to use some, some beer judge cheat words here. <laughs> um, like balanced? Yeah. Yeah. Well, balance is an important thing. That's true. That's, I know. I bigger know. than all of us, man. I know. There's a lot of people who um, don't like it. And they go, no, it doesn't make sense. 
Well, if you just say yes, this beer is balanced, that right. doesn't tell you anything. No, the balance between hops and right. You know, yeah. Malt well, you have to quantify thing, like yeah. 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 balance yeah. in regards to the style. Now that's a different thing. Yeah. Like I, it's, it's nice. The beer is nice and it's balanced. I, <laughs> I like it. I mean, I agree. I mean, muddled is. I think more of it's, like a, it's hard to pick out one specific thing in in the flavor. There are a lot of different flavors going on at the same time, and there's, there are there's the spiciness, there's the sweet sweetness, and there's not. I don't, I don't know. It, it's it is hard to put your finger on anything. At the same time, it also says something about the lack of intensity of any of those specific flavors, too. That everything is sort of at a a, a, a lower level, or I don't know, a low level, but everyone's like sort of a, a, the same level sort of mm-hmm. thing, where nothing is really, you know, it's, you know. For Belgian Dark Strong, I'd like to see the malt play a more prominent role. But go ahead, Brian, sorry. Yeah. No, I was, thank you. I was almost there. <laughs> you expressed yourself much more clearly than I did. Um, so mouthfeel wise, it's a medium full-bodied beer. has a medium low carbonation. Um, it was, you know, again, pretty strong warming, slightly towards the hot side, but not too intense. Um, not very creamy smooth, and but there's also not any real serious astringency here. Just a touch of that. Um, I mean, overall, the beer has a lot of the desired elements of a Belgian Dark Strong. It's just a bit rough around the edges, and it's hard to get. Um, I don't, I'm fighting to get any of the declared rye and i uh i see here that it was used as a rye flour um yeah five pounds of rye flour in the batch so anyway uh yeah we'll get to that um be interested to know why rye flour that might be what's causing some of the haziness there too and um yeah the appearance was was not what you wanted but um you know flavor and aroma wise had a lot of good things going for it um there could be some light fermentation related issues, but I'm not getting a really big bad, you know, off flavors in it, other than a little bit of solvent and alcohol, and it's maybe a little bit yeasty and or just um, starchy from that. The, yeah, the flour that's in there. Yeah. Um, the the body feels bigger and thicker than it it maybe needs to be, and it doesn't roll off the tongue kind of the way you might want it to. Um, and and then we're also seeing perhaps some bottling related issues. Um, the 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 first bottle we opened up had some serious creepage. The 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 snake came out of the the jar there. <laughs> um, but I gave the beer a twenty eight. I thought it was, it was it's a good beer. Just uh, needs a little fine tuning and uh, cleaning up some of the issues. Maybe work on the recipe a little bit here and and uh, but yeah. Um, you want to talk about the recipe and where you went with this, and if you have you brewed this before? Uh, I have brewed one before, but yeah. I went a different route with this one, uh, just because. For fun, because um, you can experiment. Yeah, why not? <laughs> exactly. You're a brewer. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead um, and give us a recipe on this one. <laughs> Sorry, um, uh, I had uh, twelve pounds of uh, Wireman Bohemian floor mounted. Uh, dark pilsner malt and uh, five pounds of rye flour and then two pounds of D180 candy syrup. And that's it. Uh, and uh, the yeast was a uh, Y yeast Belgian dark ale yeast. The 3822 there, yeah. Okay. That's it, yeah. And what about for hops? Uh, El Dorado at uh, First Work and Whirlpool just because Okay. Yep. 
Yeah, the hops aren't playing a big role here, and the, they were fine. The level of the hops was fine, I thought. Well, and it's it's interesting that there's not a whole lot in this beer as far as grains go, but the but the flavor. We were all saying the flavors kind of are jumbled together a little bit, and nothing really stands out. But it doesn't sound like yeah. there was really anything put in. My question would be, you know, you want the rye in there. I understand you mentioned why uh, you wanted the spiciness to play off the other part. Uh, but why rye flour as opposed to, like, flaked rye or something else? Um, I don't know. I you, fa- it up as, you had a bunch of rye flour. Just, yeah. I sure did. No. Then just threw it in. This, the, okay. uh, that's exactly what I would do. I would have like walked by the shelf and, and seen rye flour and go, fuck, I can oh, brew with that. There. I'm going to totally try <laughs> to brew with it. Is that what you did? That's exactly it. That's because that's exactly what I would do, too, man. So, and there's some uh, sorghum, huh? The flour uh, made a grain bed of the uh, Bohemian Dark Pilsner malt and uh, put the rye flour on top and kind of stirred it in a little bit. Yeah. And... I mean, the wort ran clear all mm. the way, like, through the boil and everything. I don't know really what happened. <laughs> well, we noticed some yeast residue on the top of the inner edge of the bottle as well. So when we opened up, we saw... I want to blame JP for, like, maybe storing the bottles upside down or you something. Might, you might have to do that. But uh, I mean, it, it depends. If it, if it came upside down and I left it in, in the, the box, box for yeah. a day and then flipped <laughs> them over, then it just it would have it would have done that. But um, but but there was only one bottle that had the creep. The other two yeah. bottles didn't have the – and by the creep, you mean the – you know, the, the head – we opened it up and it was starting to come out of the bottle a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah but only, gotcha. only one of the three bottles did that, so it wasn't, yeah. you know – Consistent, obviously, and it wasn't did, even. Did you stir the, uh, the the flour in for the entire mash? Like, just leave it in there, or was it something at yeah, the end? I, I mashed in at uh, 132 or so to try and get the beta amylase rest, I think. Yeah. I think it's right. And then uh, decocted some to rise it to about 150, and then just started to drain it off into the kettle from there. Should he add some more, like, grains to this? Like some crystal malts or some sort of, like, Munich maybe? Because it seems like, a, I mean... Yeah, I, 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 I would do something. something yeah, right? maybe even a longer boil would be another option as well. Up your boil to two hours or mm-hmm. two and a half hours, something like that, to get add more complexity that way. But, yeah, definitely different grains would do that, too. I mean, there's different schools of thought there of, of what a Belgian dark strong should be. Sometimes they say it should just be Pilsner malt and... and and, you know, candy syrup. Oh, really? Uh, well, yeah, and, like, uh, brew like a monk or whatever, you know, there's a few of them that, are, that say, you know, they use really simple recipes, so that's what I was kind of going for. Yeah. Keep it. Okay, and, but with those come longer boils, though, right? Likely, and different brewing systems give different results. So, okay. you know, you're, you don't have the same brewery as Vesterletteren, so... Uh, you I might. Bet, you don't know that. The, the, right, yes. You know that the the dark pills malt there. I mean, you could you could probably make a nice uh, a dark Czech beer. You know out of that stuff too. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know the dark. Yeah, a lot of the darkness does just come from the the dark candy syrup, the liquid stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you used the right thing there. But um, what, what was the fermentation temperature and what was the schedule in fermentation from start to finish? Um, I started at about 68 and let it rise approximately 2 degrees a day. That was the goal. I didn't really have, I don't have the most bestest temperature control. Yeah. 
So it kind of naturally rose a bit until as it went on. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it was actually the better sort of temperature control. I was brewed in the wintertime and put oh. it in the cold bathroom and set the heater <laughs> to rise the temperature as it went through fermentation. Yep. And it seemed to work fairly well, but it wasn't the most accurate thing. Yeah. And then you did a big yeast I'm sure, and just... Oh, uh, yeah, and a whole that. bunch of oxygen. There was uh, yeah. two bags of that uh, Y-Yeast 3822 in a almost four-liter starter, and then a whole bunch of oxygen as well. Good, yeah, yeah. Here, here's what I would do, because I'm... And I don't know if this is a mental thing. This is the part about judging about tasting beers where they tell you to you don't know anything about the beer first so you can't kind of come in with some preconceived notions but i think i taste flour i think i taste this kind of almost gritty flour thing in the middle and it might be i'm assuming it's the rye i'm assuming it's the flavor of that rye flour um i would brew the same beer but the equivalent of rye malt and just, yeah. I'd be really interested to see the flavor profile of these because I think this, I think the rye is is coming across as a little bit more stringent, like this little odd bitterness, not spicy, but like a like a bitter, not from a malt or not from an, a contamination, but just from the, the the too much rye malt. Maybe there's too much. What do you guys think? I don't know. Yeah, I was getting kind of like uh, it comes across almost like a, like you, when you get a yeastiness, but without that yeasty, rubbery flavor. Right, it has like a starchiness to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's light, but it's not like oh my god, this is full of starch. It's not like at a, all. If you're if you're, but and I think I don't know if I only picked it up because I was looking for it or because I think it's there, but um, I'd be um, really interested. The iodine test said the conversion was, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a big fan of the Engelmunster yeast either. I used it before, and that's the one you, you know used here. And I don't know. I just not. A, I'm not a huge fan of it. And I mean, that's always another option is to go with something a little more conventional. But it's kind of fun to use new, new yeast strains. But you know, mm-hmm. even, you know, going back to 3787 or uh, you know 3522 or something like that or 1214. Right, right. But I, I don't know. I, that's just me. I've used this yeast twice before, and both times I was a little bit disappointed with it overall in terms of flavor. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? What do we? What's, what yeah. do we, what do we What's do your favorite here? yeast for a Belgian dark strong? Did you already say? Probably thirty-seven eighty-seven. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I guess here, Chris, do me a favor first before we get into it. What do you? What do you, what do you want this beer to be? Do you want it to do well in competition, or do you want it to taste a certain way for you personally? Um, I don't really enter competition, so okay. I guess isn't really a thing. Okay. So but, what? Uh, what do you want out of this? As long as it tastes good, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> Do you like how it tastes? Uh, I thought it was pretty okay, but you know. But you don't uh, love it. Well, like you guys said, the clarity is something to be leaves a little to be desired. Okay. Yeah. But I'm. You, but you see where I'm getting at, right? Like I, I don't want to sit here and waste your time for over ten minutes about grain bills or whatever when you like the way it tastes and you just want to adjust something else. So, what do you? What do you need from us? Um, you know what I mean. What would you guys add to maybe increase complexity? Okay, you want a little more Again, in this style, a lot of the the complexity comes from the the caramelized candy sugars. And, um, you know, the base is just Pils malt. What I would do is just use authentic Belgian ingredients as much as possible. And, um, yeah, maybe play around with the yeast like like Keith suggested. But just start with the Belgian Pils malt and the the dark candy syrup. Mm -hmm. And... 
I could tell a little, little bit, a little bit of Munich too. Wouldn't be a, a bad, a bad idea in a beer like yeah, this. Yeah, little, little Munich is yeah. fine. A little yeah. mid there. If you want to put, uh, if you want to put some, you know, JP suggested a little malted dry. I like playing with malted dry. If you want that, that kind of a spiciness there to make it interesting. I can sense that you're kind of like um, experimental and having fun and seat over your pants kind of brewer, yeah. and that's cool. You know, we're judging it to a very fine style point and like okay it, it misses the mark here and there a little bit and it's a little muddled and <laughs> whatever we want to say <laughs> we're you know and, and then you know never want to enter a competition because all these judge guys are just jerks but no you know i mean just have fun brewing it and just um but uh th- there is a reason that these styles d- did develop and they developed where they developed with the ingredients that were native there and and it turned into what it is now and you know and then all the big the big breweries came up and bought up all these little breweries, and then they're turning it back to shit. So, yeah, no, uh, slowly but surely, they'll get there. But yeah, no. I tell you, it, for me, it's like a U, right? Where yeah. it's like it, it tastes good up front and at the end, but in the middle, it, it kind of falls apart. It kind of is missing something in the middle. So, yeah, definitely try, uh, like Keith was saying, maybe a little bit longer boil. Uh, you know, we, you can add some more grain in there just a little bit to, to kind of bump it up uh, in the mouthfeel there. Yep. Um, maybe there's too much rye. I don't know. Uh, because on, it, you know what it tastes like on, on the end? Like uh, bitter chocolate or yeah. like, uh, like cocoa nibs where it's like that bitterness, but it's not, it's not anything discernible. It's just this weird light bitterness. Yeah. So maybe there's too much rye. I don't know. Um, I would also say flour. try to get some Styrian Golding's hops. You know, I'm not the El Dorado is fine. They're playing a minor role here anyway. But uh, that was know. definitely an interesting choice. And just like, yeah, why not? I mean, that yeah. that's fun. And I mean, honestly, Belgian brewing is like that in a lot of ways too. Where it's like, yeah, yeah. let's use what we the can Bel- get. And, yeah, the Belgians but, will say, sure, do it. You know. Yeah. yeah. But some flavors don't mesh well, and I wonder if the if the rye isn't meshing with the hops very well, and kind of this weird at the like grapefruit pithy kind of flavor. It is a lot of rye malt in that recipe, and you got to and it's not malt. Know it's, it's, it's five adding pounds something. Of, of just straight flour. So I think five pounds of rye malt versus five pounds of flour is going to be very different. Yeah. No. I mean, right? I'm glad it all converted yeah. and everything, and yeah. that's cool. It's. Um, I think you know, well, the haziness may be from the yeast because there was some yeast at the top of the yeah. model. So, um, I think that's what we would suggest. <laughs> uh, do you have any any questions specific to this, Chris? Um. No, these guys seem to career pretty well. Okay. Yeah, cool. thanks for sending it. Hey, man, I love it. Keep keep doing that that whole thing, man. Just grabbing stuff off the shelf and trying it. That's what that's, <laughs> that's what that's what home brings all about, dude. That's right. Okay. Well, thanks for uh, sending it in, dude. I appreciate thanks, it, Chris. Yep. Thank you, Chris. Have a good one. All right, man. Cheers. You too. Bye. Overall, it's a good beer. Yeah, I liked it. I did dig on it. I just I, and I I I. I I like talking to people. You know, why why did you do that? Yeah, yeah. and it's not from me being kind of saying why did you add that? Oh, so much high flour, you know. Right. And why did you choose flour over a flaked product? Yeah, how dare that? you? It's not oh a how dare God. you thing. It's just that's really interesting. Why, yeah. Why did you want to do that? You know? Right. And again, that's the same thing I would have done. Grab, and I've seen it too. There's like the. The aisle that has all red the barn or whatever it's yeah. called. I forget the thing, like the, the the product name, but there's like every fucking flower in the entire universe is there. Right. It's like that would be an Your adjunct aisle. brewer's dream, dude. <laughs> JP, why did you take two hours at the store? I'm stuck in the flower aisle. <laughs> yeah, I was I'm researching sorry. diastatic power and whatever. <laughs> uh, before we take a break, everybody, I wanted to ask you: Have you visited the White Labs Vault yet? Hopefully, you have. It's a collection of yeast strains that White Labs is. 
<laughs> this one says White Labs is, uh, has been curating for more than 20 years. Some of these strains have never been available until now. Visit whitelabs.com slash the vault to check out the current list and pre-order the strain you want released. Once there are 250 pre-orders per strain, that strain will go into production. It'll, uh, so check it out, whitelabs.com slash the vault, then help release the yeast. Yeah, I've heard about that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We have a question from the chat I want to talk to you guys about. Ask you a question, and then we're going to give some shit away, and then we're going to go home. Uh, hang on, everybody. It's Dr. Homebrew. We'll be right back. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five star treatment today admitted homebrewing is not always free of frustrations years ago brothers bill and jim mitchell decided to minimize those frustrations and create an entirely new brewing process and a brand new kitchen appliance the pico brew zymatic the zymatic sits on your kitchen counter and connects to the internet via wi-fi it comes with access to a huge recipe library full of award-winning beers and can brew your next batch at the push of a button improve repeatability and refine your recipes with the pico brew zymatic with minimal cleaning and hassle the zymatic enables anyone to brew craft beer in the comfort of their own kitchen just add your ingredients and the process of home brewing becomes simplified and automatic allowing you to focus on what really matters while you brew at pico brew they believe everyone should be able to enjoy the art of home brewing and make their own damn good craft beer see the zymatic in action today at picobrew.com I'm sorry to tell you this, but we're going to have to pour you out. Back to Dr. Homebrew. All right. Thanks for hanging on, everybody. Thank you for hanging on, JP. I'm hanging on, man. I'm hanging on. That's all you got to do. Just hang on. Uh, Speaking of... hmm, Fuck, that's not a good segue. Speaking of hanging... No, speaking of... (laughs) I don't know. Get a rope. Well, I'll tell you what. Hanging on to me is very uh, is very revolutionary. Speaking of revolutionary, the Smart Brew Water Testing Kit, the iDip, we've talked about this before. It incorporates that revolutionary photometer system, which is the first and only one on the market with its own app. So you got room on your phone. Throw this app on there, uh, along with the iDip. It's pretty rad. You can use it for home or commercial use. Uh, it's the only meter on the market that runs water tests with no math needed, no titration, no adjustments on any part. And writing paper, uh, you put water in the thing, wiggle a strip around, wait like 10, 15 seconds. I think it's 30 se- seconds, actually. 
20. 20 seconds. There yeah. you go. Um, it and counts then, down bam, for you. And, counts yeah. down for you, fires it to the app, and, and, and you're, you're set, man. It pairs via Bluetooth, and that's how it gets to the app. It's the first handheld water tester with an app, so that's pretty cool. And uh, you can email the results of the water test to the rest of your brewers or post it to your Facebook page even. Let your homebrew club get the lowdown on your base water profile. I think this would be great for homebrew clubs. Uh, you can uh, test over 40 different water quality tests with this 4-cum preloaded. Test for things like total, total alkalinity or tocal alkalinity, but that's a different, that's a different, that's a different test. Uh, chloride, calcium hardness, pH, sulfate, and more. Using only 4 mils of water for each test. Check it out. Hit uh, smartbrewkit.com and enter code TBN10 at checkout and save 10 bucks on either the standard or advanced smart brew testing kit. It's the iDip smartbrewkit.com. You can probably test like your aquarium water too. Like you can do your aquarium water, you can do your pool water, if your you brew with your water. aquarium water. Like make sure there's not too much you should definitely, fish, fish excrement in there. You should definitely test for that. Saltwater tank, how yeah. that work out? That'd be good. Yeah. yeah. You can do all sorts of stuff, man. Any, <laughs> any water, any water you need testing. Uh, okay. We're here to give some stuff away. Of course, both Scott and Chris get a nice little price pack from Five Star, again, because they are our main sponsors. Um, and we are here to give away a forty dollar gift certificate to Grog. Tag.com for the winner of the lowest beer score. Um, and then the beer bug, uh, courtesy of the beer bug.com, who doesn't, oh, we don't always give a beer bug away, but when we do, we give it to the uh, highest score. Yeah, and it kind of, it's yeah. funny, kind of just evolved that way. Like we didn't really plan it, but we had this $40 gift gift certificate to grog tag and we're like well why don't we just let's give it away to the because their tagline right is at least your beer will look good yeah so like we're kind of like we're just kind of fucking with you uh but now we're actually giving away some shit like, this is pretty cool. it, yeah. yeah so uh chris nelson gets the uh 40 grog tag hey, all right. so i mean scott you win the beer bug my friend and uh i will get all this stuff out to you guys uh shortly it's the beer bug cool hey we're sipping some Both. of um some of some of the Mertzen that didn't land in the bottom of Keith's uh, bag on the way here. <laughs> yeah, how are we doing with that? It's lost a little carbonation, carbonation but yeah. it's, it's pretty good. Do you want to try it? Uh, I do, yeah. Here, let me ask, while All you right. pour me a glass, let me ask you this question. Uh, here's a guy in the chat room. He says, I'm having a hard time hitting my original gravities. I always end up above. It occurs to me that I've gotten more room in my cooler, louder ton than I could add a bit more grain and get a stronger beer, and I could dilute that into two fermenters instead of trying to fit it all in one. When is he going to dilute it, I guess, would be the question there. And what, I, you know, what's what, How would you do that? I don't know. Before fermentation, I would, uh, yeah, I would imagine. I mean... So his gravities are coming out too low? And he, he's no, they're too high. He's coming out too high. Okay. It's Sorry. coming out too high. So what Iron. he's thinking is just filling up the rest of the mash tun, making a larger beer, and uh-huh. splitting it and dumping it into two fermenters. And then adding water back and then fermenting. Hmm. I mean, you know, I've done some things with water. I mean, I've done water even after the fermentation, which you don't really want to do necessarily. Um, but I've done it in different ways. But uh, I, just I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, you could have some water, like in the old school way of like, hey, I'm going to do extract brewing, and I'm going to have two gallons of cold water in a fermenter, and I'm going to add water to that. I mean, if you're doing all grain and you're chilling, I don't see there's really anything wrong with that as long as the water has been treated properly before it gets into that fermenter. Uh, 
You know. the, the only thing I, I would would say is that you might be off on your IBUs if you have a that's, larger yeah, that's a good point a larger starting gravity than you want. Like if you're making ESB you and you double it, yeah, you have to mess with your numbers that way. Yeah, if you're trying to dial in a specific, I'm like, what I wanted to say is, why not just dial back your malt and just make if you what want you're to dial, make? <laughs> yeah, and I think I think he's just trying to be yeah. what's word Creative pragmatic, and, I guess, or yeah, just like, sure. hey, I can brew two, I can knock two sets of beers out at the same time. Um, but yeah. I don't think you're going to. S- I don't know. I mean, or pull people off do the, it. the first part of that, you know, the first runnings and, and add some water and then, yeah, pull off the second runnings and make a beer that you don't really care about with the, the, a small beer of some kind and oh, yeah, have some better, fun, you know, yeah. but then the second beer wouldn't be what you want. But like, you know, your efficiency is really good and that's fine. But well, your uh, first beer would be bigger if you would do it that way. So yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it depends what you're making. Every time I've tried to add water to stuff, I was trying to make like American premium lagers and that sort of <laughs> stuff. So yeah, I mean, you're right about flavor wise. Like you're adding water, you're gonna water like you're gonna water it down somewhat. Like you're gonna make an IPA, double the double IPA patch. Like you'd have to up the hops for all of it throughout. I would think if you're adding water back to it. I don't know. It's an interesting uh, dilemma. Uh, it's not something that people normally do. Um, yeah, it's definitely not normal. Um, it's worth it's worth trying. I mean, and, I, and I, playing with yeah. it a little bit. But yeah, yeah. I, I think it's more for for lower gravity beers. Yeah, you wouldn't want to do that to end up with something like a six percent or seven yeah. percent beer. If you could do it, you can. It's fine. Hey, but you're right, JP. Yeah. I think you made a good point about bitterness and just sort of calculating that properly too, and making sure you take the, you know that into account like you know you're diluting the beer the final beer and well also as far as i know like the higher the higher gravity you have the more sugars that your solubility of all your uh, all your ibus is kind of exactly yeah, more sugars exactly. You're, so you're gonna, so you're gonna use more hops, hops drops right. so you may use less you may you know you'll be able to make a double batch you'll end up using more hops just to do that sort yeah of. it may not be worth it in the right. long run monetarily right yeah, I mean, and, and also things like, you know, look at your crush. Maybe you're crushing too finely. I mean, who, know, who knows? What's- uh, my answer would be uh, increase your boil kettle size and so you can make a double batch that way and just boil yeah. more. Buy just another boil kettle one. and put it all in one is what I would do. Get to the gravity you want with one, yeah. make a big batch of it, and, and yeah. up the hops for everything. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I would, just from a, a homebrew shop <laughs> perspective, <laughs> I would I would say hit your numbers first. Before you start tweaking anything out, yeah. know your system. Work on hitting your numbers. Lower your lower your your grain. Lower your batch a little bit to nail your numbers and really drive that for a couple of batches. Then you can start trying to double batch because that way you're going to hand you know how your system handles things. Because right now you still don't know it. And I don't know the realm of what kind of efficiency they're talking about either. Yeah, like if they're getting either. like ninety percent efficiency, or something, you know, <laughs> efficiency all the way away up to the top is not necessarily a good thing. You know, you're going to pull more astringency and harshness from the grain and the husks and stuff as you just pull every last bit of that stuff out of there. Yeah, and it's just not the best thing always. You know, so I I would do that. I would learn your system first. Um, then I would also even brew up a pale ale just normally in your system after you've hit your numbers. Then I would double that and brew the way you want to now, or you brew it in two and then dilute it, and then taste them. So if you can, side by side, to figure out how much you have to do. I think you're going to have to learn how much more hops to add and maybe any if there's potentially any other grain uh, recipe adjustments that you have to figure out if you're if you're diluting back i mean another option and you said that makes me makes me think of it is if you're going to be able to have a double amount of 
beer, then why don't you just split off half of it, boil half first. If your boil kettle is only so big, boil half of it first and then save the rest and then boil that again and, you know, divert it, you know, throughout and then mm-hmm. making the same beer twice essentially instead of adding water back to it. I think adding water back to it is a big beer trick and it's not necessarily something that's good for flavor in general. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, I, yeah. All those things you said, I would go bigger boil kettle, but if not, then, you know, somehow divert your wort into two kettles at the same time or a different uh, container at the same time. It's mm-hmm. longer, yeah. obviously, but then you do two boils and you have the two of the beers back to back that way without diluting before boiling. You get a buddy to bring his burner over and just do, t- yeah, simultaneous two batches. Or, yeah, or I guess you could you could peel off half the wort or peel off the entire wort and then take half of it in your boil kettle, add your water yeah, boil that, that's a good way to saving do, right? saving your wort yeah. for later in the day. Then you're basically just doing two boils, right? And it's going to be fine between yeah. Yeah. a couple yeah. hours sitting there for a little yeah. while. Yeah. Won't hurt yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope that uh, have some fun with it. Hey. I hope that helped, my friend. Um, okay, yeah, let's, let's know how it goes. Definitely. Yeah, please do send it in. Too, probably actually. just confused them. Uh, probably, but uh, we gave them several options, yeah. and uh, there you go. Okay, we're done, right? I did all my things. I think so. Um, gave away the stuff. Gave away the stuff. That's what I like doing. All right, everybody. We'll be back for you. Anyone who wants to listen live, we'll be back on February 2nd. I know we normally do two shows at a time here, but we're switching it up a little bit. So uh, there you go. Come back and join us in the chat and uh, send your beers in. If you want to be on the show, jp at thebrewingnetwork.com. Uh, it will probably take me uh, a month or two to get back to you because we do have a kind of a backlog of, uh, of folks. But, uh, you know, sit tight. I'll get back to you eventually. Anyway, it's been Dr. Home, everyone. Thank you. We'll see you later.